know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a lovely, lovely crowd. That guy's applauding on his leg. He's, he's, he's holding a beverage, but he still gets the spirit of things, and he, so he's, he's, he's slapping his... It's a knee-slapping good time. J. Keith, it's priorities. If it's you're priorities, holding a beer, yes. you can't clap because you can't put the beer down. I feel like there's a Shark Tank invention in there. <laughs> like, somebody needs to invent a way oh, that you yeah. can, like, clap and as well as holding your beer. Yeah, because, yes. like, for a while we were snapping, and it's just, it just doesn't... It just doesn't sound as and good. And for that reason, I'm out. Uh, Helen, how are you? I'm very well, J. Keith. You've got some exciting news. Uh, Helen has been mentioning on our episodes that she's been auditioning for pilot season, and she booked a pilot. I booked a pilot! I booked a network television pilot for ABC. One of our uh, top five networks. Correct. That's correct. And it's very exciting. It's uh, the pilot uh, concept was created by this wonderful woman named Jessica Gao. She won an Emmy for writing on Rick and Morty. Ooh. I think she actually created Pickle Rick, if you guys are Rick and Morty fans. So she's that level of genius. And, uh, you know, they gave her an Emmy, and then ABC promptly was like, well, you want a pilot? And she was like, Yeah. So uh, the story is about her, her, Chinese Amer her crazy Chinese-American family. It's like an almost all-Asian cast. We do have one token white guy. N not me, for some reason. Yep. Yeah. Not Jay Keith. No. I'll, uh, I'll remain the token white guy on this show. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, congratulations. It's uh, yeah. exciting. And I play a character named Auntie Linda, who's uh, well into her 50s. Really? Yeah. I'm not going to take offense. Okay. They're, they're paying you that much, huh? I, you know, I, I was on a Nickelodeon series for five years called The Thundermans playing another Asian woman in her 50s named Mrs. Wong. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, it's my lot in life to just play a woman in her 50s for my entire life. Yeah. When I broke, first booked that, I was like in my early 30s. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just... Just going to be an old lady. All right. Well, that's very exciting. By the time uh, this episode drops, well, we might already know if it's going to be on the fall schedule or the, the, the mid-season schedule. It's very exciting. Fingers crossed. Right. But for now, Helen is not too big to join us. So correct. we're going we're gonna to take it. Yes, correct. Uh, I'm not a millionaire yet. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, it's, got, it's not gone to series. So when you call me, J. Keith, mm -hmm. I'm not like, who dis? Right. Right. New swag. Who dis? Right. But... Hopefully, that will be the case. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy for you. Happy Yay, for Ms. Helen Hong. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, meanwhile, I'm sorry, we still have to do this. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. She is an Emmy-nominated actor, improviser, and voice artist whose memorable roles include appearances in all three Austin Powers movies. It's Mindy Sterling. Mindy Sterling. Hi, Mindy. Have a Hi, seat right Mindy. there. Hi, brought my purse because I don't trust him. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm glad that you trust me. You're leaving it open and, and very close well, to my I reach. I leave my purse open everywhere, but I, it's always with me. It's always with you. I don't All know right. what that means. Welcome, right. Mindy. Hi, Helen. I think you are so funny, by the way. And I am so, so happy that you got a pilot yes. because if people don't know, it is... H-E-L-L-I-S-H to go out on those things yeah. and get one. Polish. So, good yeah. for you. I didn't know if I Thank could you. say that. Yeah, no, you can say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, uh, Mindy, you uh, <laughs> you were very concerned about a couple things when I booked you for today's show. One, that you don't know anything. I know nothing. <laughs> All right. Uh, the second, uh, that you'd be able to get here because you, apparently you live near the finish line of the L.A. Marathon, which ran oh, today. It's, it's like right out in front oh. of my apartment, uh, yeah. yes, building. And so it is crazy. And even walking my dog, it's like... Do you, to get back into my alleyway, do you have your uh, license with you? <gasps> no. But you just saw me come out with the dog about mm -hmm. 20 minutes ago. Do you have your license? No, no one told me. Security is very tight at a marathon finish line. Wow. Well, someone should tell us. <laughs> <laughs> they had no warning. And uh, so did you make it? 
Here? Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Oh, and, and ladies and gentlemen, she made it. And oh, in, and the in good time. suspense was killing me. Yeah. Because it was that 4.30. You better right. be here at 4.30, exactly. Right. So that makes me very well, stressful. Well, you made it here, but you'll never make it back. Never. To your house. That's the problem. No. They let you out, but they're yeah, not going to no, let I, you they back will, in. I, didn't, I don't have my license. Yeah, so uh -oh. you're gonna, she's going to be sleeping here at the Angel City That's pretty Brewery. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Minty. No. Uh, Helen mentioned that you are an Emmy-nominated actor. You've actually been nominated for two Emmys, <gasps> but in a very interesting category. Well, it was for a, I don't know, what category was it? I believe it was short form. Short form, uh, like a web. Okay. But I, it was, I was nominated twice for two different things. So right. I really was working on just, you know, I guess hitting myself out. You're the queen of the short form. Yes. So it was like there were five women and I was two of them. Oh, oh! You're, in other words, you got you got two nominations the same year. And that same, yes, oh, I in didn't the know same that. category. You were competing against yourself. So I competed against myself and lost. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Oh. Sure. Uh, was there a ceremony? Did you get to? Uh, uh, yes, it was like an the, Emmys, and yeah. I'd never been before. So, um, you know, I went there and red carpet, <gasps> and I borrowed a dress, and uh, everybody and, asked you what you were wearing. Yes, and you know, and then and then my brother the whole time I went with my brother and my son, and my brother kept looking at me going, you're going to get this. You're going to get it. You're, this is for you. And it was like, leave me alone, because I was like so nervous. And then I really understand when you don't win that it's really hard to smile. Oh, <laughs> that's what you deserve the Emmy for, yeah. smiling. <laughs> it <laughs> is, because you're like this, and then you got your brother going, oh, sis, you're going to get this. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. You know, and then it's like, Jane Lynch. Oh, an acceptance speech ready to go? Not at all. Oh. Not at all. No, I really, I really, and I don't remember people's names mm. and things, as you will find out tonight. <laughs> Is uh, that important in a trivia game? Well, it's a good thing your brother's not here. Yeah, because he yeah. would. What's it like to have a sibling who believes in you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, I have to ask you about your wonderful role in the Austin Powers movies. Uh, you played Frau Farbicina. Am I saying Far that correct? Farbicina. Farbicina, excuse me. You're uh, so great. So and great. so, so iconic, yeah. Thank you so, so much. Iconic. And as soon as I saw your face, I was like, oh my God, it's her! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, it's like the best thing that, uh, you know, that's ever sort of happened to me, or one of many, but... Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I never get tired of hearing yeah. people get excited about it and come up to me. So I'm very, very lucky. Do you get recognized all the time? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's really great, what, right? Like, what's, what's the general, like, what's the most common thing that people run up to? Well, I get, uh, you know, I get a lot of, um, mm, I mean, you probably get that, oh, you who, oh, I know you. Yeah. Uh, or, or just, you know, um, yes, oh, my God, if, if, um, yeah, Scott. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I do, and I love it. I really do. And did you know Mike Myers before? Um, I knew him only, I met him through, uh, Julia Sweeney brought him up and we did improv together. He thought I was really funny and what he loved about me was that I knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to finding out exactly what you do know. We know that we're lucky Maybe to have you. Maybe I'll surprise myself. Oh, knows? I was trying to get out of this segment. <laughs> it's Mindy Sterling. What are you going to do? <laughs> Helen, against whom will Mindy be competing tonight? He is an award-winning author, humorist, and storyteller who tours the world with his one-man shows. It's Dylan Brody! Dylan Brody! <laughs> Dylan bounding his way to the stage. Welcome, Dylan. Bringing his notebook, looking very... Professorial. Yes, indeed. Also, I feel, could, could deal me a hand of blackjack in a pinch? <laughs> That's right. I'm dressed like a blackjack dealer from Reno. It must be time to start a show. Absolutely. <laughs> Dylan, nice to see you again. How are you? It's a joy and a pleasure to be here. Indeed as well. Now, Dylan, there are two places that I often run into you. One of them is at storytelling shows around Los Angeles, and the other is at college alumni events because you and I both attended Sarah Lawrence College. We both attended Sarah Lawrence College at very different times. Yes. Uh, how was your Sarah Lawrence College experience? Uh, significantly longer ago than yours. All right, I was looking maybe more for the quality rather oh, than the, the quality, quality of it. it was good. The, yeah. I, uh, I had a wonderful time there. I did three years there and then my senior year abroad in London. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I was there with many, many people who have gone on to be far, far more successful than I. I'm glad you're here. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted yeah. to be here. I, uh, so I, I, I was talking to uh, uh, Jim earlier, uh, Jim Newman, your, producer, your wonderful yes. uh, deliverer of... 
uh, Coke for, yes. for Helen. <laughs> Among his many tasks. Yes. Heavenly many, angel. many great qualities, yes. And I, I was saying that eventually when this moves on to television, it will become celebrity driven. And he said that it's already celebrity driven, which made me wonder how I came to be involved in it. <laughs> Dylan, do I have to remind you that according to Helen's introduction, you are an award-winning author, humorist, and storyteller who tours the world with his one-man shows? I am aware of these things, and yet I don't feel I am celebrated for them. Uh. I feel like I'm doing everything I can right now, in fact. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I apologize. Uh, I, am, I am delighted to have deigned to be on your show. All right. J. Keith Van May I call you J. Keith Van Stratton? I, yes, I insist on it, in okay. fact. Dylan, you describe yourself as a humorist as opposed to a comedian. How do you, uh, how do you differentiate between the terms? Uh, I quit smoking pot and bought cufflinks. <laughs> wow. That's literally the best answer ever. That's pretty good. Once I'm done with comedy, you know, when, when I want to graduate on to humorist, yeah. I too am going to buy cufflinks. Yeah. <laughs> but probably not quit See, smoking See, I, I buy and wear a lot of cufflinks. I'm halfway there. Uh, tell us, uh, the, you, know, you also teach in addition to telling stories, you, you teach and you coach. What, what kind of uh, uh, issues or uh, topics or problems do writers or storytellers come to you with and how do you solve them? Well, it's frequently either that they can't get started on the screenplay they've been talking about mm. writing or the book they've been talking or that they can't finish mm. the screenplay or the book they've been talking about. And I, over my life, 83% of my therapy mm. has been me paying someone to remind me that the creative process is inherently anxiety producing. Hmm. And I figured out that uh, anxiety disguises itself as a lack of discipline, hmm. as procrastination, as avoidance, as all sorts of things. And once I can figure out where the anxiety lies for any writer, I can crack their block and get them working. I, what? I have, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. I, I feel as though, you know, there are these, these acting techniques, and you can ask someone what technique they study, and they will tell you, nobody has yet codified any writing techniques. And I feel as though I've cracked something. What? And the people who come to me seem to be able to finish their projects. Wait, so you're like a writer's block whisperer? That's yes. correct. I'm, well, I'm a writer whisperer. <gasps> the, I don't talk directly to the block, because really, where would that get anyone? <laughs> And do you ever get writer's block yourself? No. Because oh. you know how to... Uh... Be, well, yeah. I, well, I've always been incredibly prolific. Right. And I just thought that was just because, you know, in lieu of talent. Um, well, but, someone's cocky. But <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't finish the, the rest of that sentence. But then you discovered that it was not. I, but I realized that it was not in lieu of talent. It was that I, I didn't have the anxiety that many writers have. My, my anxiety comes up when it's time to sell the work. Ah, I see. So I'm constantly working on myself with that right. while I work with other people on the actual doing of the work so that they can then... Uh, become far, far, far I will pay you I so much money to just sit next to me and just hit me on the head. <laughs> I would I'm right here. That I'm already sitting next to you. Uh, no. Just like until no. I start, like until, like well, as I, I get paragraphs. I think Helen brings up a good point, though. Is do you, do you find that it, it's best to be gentle with someone who's having difficulty, or is it best to be to be tough? First of all, I feel it is always best to be gentle with everybody. Um, I you know I. I really get annoyed when people say, I'm just giving you a hard time. Right. Re really? Because my, my times aren't hard enough already. That's, <laughs> yeah, life that's is what I need from you as a friend. Yeah. Um, no, it's always about gentle because it's always about being reassuring so that the anxiety can dissipate. <gasps> so that you can have confidence both in what you are doing and in what you want to be doing. I think this is a good myth that, that uh, is good to dispel. That uh, I think a lot of people think that someone who's successful doesn't have that anxiety. If, if someone who's successful doesn't have difficulty creating, and a lot of people who are successful have the difficulty and yet find a way to create anyway. Yes, and there are some people who are very successful and don't create well at all. They're just very good at selling their work. Oh. And that's a whole different skill set. Now, speaking of which, you toured with your one-man show around the world. I did. I, <laughs> I did. I did a tour that took me to Chicago, Barcelona, London, and then uh, wound up in New York. Wow. Uh, with Dylan Brody's Driving Hollywood. And uh, uh, you ended up making a video of that show. Well, I did the video first. It was oh. originally just a spoken word, sort of a stand-up set, <laughs> although, you know, not as funny, because that, I, because Cufflinks. Cufflinks, um, sure, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it w was a, it's still available at nextupcomedy.com, available there if you want to see it. Um, and then uh, Blue Panther Productions, a woman named Laura uh, saw the show and said, oh, this is great, can we... Can we stage this? And it turned into a theatrical experience. That's that awesome. toured, And it was and that, wonderful. What was it like to do a Dylan Brody show in Barcelona? 
Oh, excuse me, Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> um, it was uh, sparse. Oh. It was, um, it, was, it was nice. There were a couple of nights that we were sold out, and then a few nights that I was doing a very intimate show. Mm -hmm. um, but because I have you know, the history in stand-up, I'm totally comfortable making the adjustment between, oh, it's a big enough audience that we have a fourth wall, and right. it's a small enough audience that we really obviously don't. Interesting. Um, and it was good fun. The whole tour was a, a huge change. It was sort of, sort of when I started to realize, have the realizations about anxiety. Mm. Because I have travel anxiety. And I realize that travel anxiety is exactly the same thing as creative anxiety. Right. But isn't that anxiety in general? It, where anxiety is about the unknown, about yes. not trusting, right. yeah. and about, yes, we, we, we have no control. It's all the same thing. So, so everybody the, in this world has anxiety. Yeah. yeah there are, I've met a few who just blindly blast through with no... One of them... I, I think I, those I, are sociopaths. As, as I recall, <laughs> one, one of them became president. Yeah, oh, there it yeah. is. Uh, Dylan, we're so happy to have you. I'm happy to be SLC here. SLC forever. Dylan Brody, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, J. Keith Van Stratton. All right, Mindy and Dylan, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Mindy, you said you know a lot about how to put on makeup, decorating your apartment, and Project Runway. Ooh. Uh, whereas, Dylan, you said you know a lot about Nikola Tesla, Korean martial arts, ah. and the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era of X-Men. That is all correct, sir. All right. Well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Home on the Range. First up in Home on the Range, Mindy. Uh -oh. Mindy. No, <laughs> it is starting. I have to warn you. It is, it is I have anxiety. Oh. <laughs> Well, let's uh, be gentle. <laughs> yes, we'll calm you. Mindy, they both help make a home-cooked meal, but what is the difference between an oven and a range? An oven and a range. An oven is uh, on top and a range is on the bottom. We have Mindy's answer. Uh, you want to give that any more, any more thought or explanation? Uh, an oven, it, 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 it cooks uh, faster and a range is um, old-fashioned. An old-fashioned is, is range as opposed to the newfangled yes, ovens, ovens that we're all familiar with. All right, we have Mindy's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Dylan, if you don't think she's got it right, you can steal. What do you think? I'm going to say that an oven is a contained space in which food is cooked from all sides at once. Okay. A range is the top portion with the burners. And possibly a range is the, the whole device that contains both the oven and the burners area. Possibly or definitely. I'm going to go with my first one. The range is on top, the oven is inside. The range is on top. The range is, the range is burners and, and bottom heat cooking, uh -huh. right? It cooks from the bottom up on a pan. Uh -huh. or in a, and then the oven is an internal womb-like structure. A womb-like structure. For, where you can cook uh, babies. No, that's not right. Where you can cook... Uh, food from all it's directions. It got dark really fast. Yeah. It did really all right. I don't know how that uh, happened. Note Creepy. to self, don't go to Dylan's for dinner. <laughs> uh, all right, well, this segment is getting overcooked. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. An oven is a box or chamber in which things are roasted or baked. And if you listen to episode 21 of Go Fact Yourself, you can hear the difference between roasting and baking, guys. A range is an appliance that includes both an oven and a stove or cooktop. Mm. So every range includes an oven, but not every oven includes a range. Whoa, right? Yeah. That is, of course, correct, Helen. Also, the first commercial microwave ovens were called radar ranges because they came from radar technology and were about as big as a range. Uh, what does it mean as far as our points go, Helen? I'm going to give Dylan one point for saying the oven is a contained space. So one, one point, point for, for Dylan. Dylan. Yeah. All right. This is very exciting. You almost got two points, but you went against your second answer and went back to the first without that. It's because so. I couldn't think of the word stove. <laughs> Up goodness. next in Home on the Range is Dylan... Dylan, when home on the range, both the deer and the antelope play. But what is the main visible difference between a deer and an antelope? A deer and an antelope. This is what, the main visible yes, difference? Yes, the main visible difference. We are not going into their DNA at this juncture. I think uh, deer horns are... Uh, 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 wait, deer... Deer are does, and so the, only the males of the deer have horns. So maybe, maybe amongst the antelope, the females have horns as well. 
So that is the difference. That's what I'm going to go with. All right, we've got Dylan's answer. Mindy was shaking her head violently from side to side, implying she might know something. Mindy, what do you I think? I don't know a thing, but... But if you did, what would it be? <laughs> I was going to say the horns, because I don't think deer have horns. Mm -hmm. So the antelope has horns, and they're, they're big. Right. They're big coming out of the antelope's head. That's where the horns are, on the head. That is where it is. So okay. when you see that, you go... That's not a deer, that's an antelope. Whereas when you see a deer, what are you seeing? There's a deer. Okay, very well said. Well, this segment has left the range. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. When it comes to the main visible difference, it's all about what's on their head. Most male and female antelope have horns, which don't branch out and which are permanent. Most male but not female deer have antlers, which are like horns but not the same thing. They do branch out and are temporary. They lose them seasonally and grow them back and lose them again and grow them back and lose them again and grow them back. And Helen, we've got to move on. That is correct, of course. Wait uh, a minute, Bambi didn't have uh, horns. Bambi was a baby. Yeah, what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? Uh, so I'm going to give half a point to Mindy because you did know that antelope have horns uh, and that deer don't, but you didn't know about the... Okay, I know. I get it. Half a point for Mindy. You're on the board, Mindy. <laughs> uh, what is our score at the end of that first round? At the end of that round, Mindy Sterling has half a point and Dylan Brody has one point. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hello, listeners of Maximum Fun. I want to tell you about our newest podcast that tells you all about the truth of the flat earth. Have you been looking out over the horizon and you've been thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't look round. I've been lied to my whole life. What is NASA doing with $52 million, million dollars a, a day? day? Uh, uh, come on. We explode the myths. Just kidding. We're Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we investigate extraordinary claims. That's right. We investigate extraordinary claims firsthand. We go undercover in fringe groups. We get alternative medicine treatments. And we hang out with people who have unusual beliefs, like flat earthers, 9-11 truthers. We do ghost investigations. We've joined Scientology. And we got baptized in the Mormon church. If it goes bump in the night... And so do we. <laughs> hmm. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Mindy Sterling with half a point and Dylan Brody with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Mindy Sterling, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about how to put on makeup, decorating your apartment, and Project Runway. Let's find out a little bit more about each one. First of all, you said you know a lot about how to put on makeup, which I don't understand how you could know, because you obviously don't wear any. Because I know how to put it on. Oh. To make yourself look a little better. Because I look horrible without it. I can't imagine that's true. Now tell I us about it, your interest in makeup and, and how you learned so much about how to put it on. I don't know. I think, you know, when you work and you go to makeup artists, and they sit there and they put stuff on. I'm always talking to the makeup artists and asking them, um, you know, so what should I, what is your favorite thing? Or why should I wear this? Or what do I do with my eyes or my lips? So I get all of these great tips and then I go, you know, Google everything. Um, so it's really fun and I love makeup. So you like to like play around with it at home in front of the yeah. Audience, I mean, I like... do. I don't like. I don't think. I think I look so much better with makeup and I, you know, I just. I just do you really... have a favorite tip? for applying makeup that uh, you would like to share with our audience? Well, I have to I have to use one of those really old-fashioned um, mirrors that are, are about this close to your face because I can't see. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, and so um, it's easier for me to see and do that. And then, you know, you go back. I don't know. I think it's just, you know, we're, I mean, women were so inundated with fashion and looks and hair and, and Botox, and I don't do that, but I will put makeup on, so hopefully that I am alleviating some of the um, things that drive me crazy. <laughs> do you Enhancing watch... your beauty is what I think you mean Enhancing to say. Enhancing what I have and not what I should have. All right, fair enough. Uh, you also said you know a lot about decorating your apartment. Well, I have a very cute apartment, and um, I like to, this is what I do. Don't, when you're, you're decorating, you're putting pillows out and stuff, don't take off the receipts. Leave them on because you may, I may go, mm, I don't want this like a week later. Ah. But what happens 
I forget to take off the tag, and then somebody catches me when they come over, and what a great place. Ooh, this costs fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. So I do forget to do that, but um, I would think that's a bonus. That's a feature, not a bug. People I like. Get to see I mean, how I think smart it's, you are I think about it's shopping. Smart. Yeah. But um, yes. So I'm in the morning. I like to look on my iPad and just look to see how people decorate and things that are out and sale. Everything get on sale. Yeah. That's Amen. a good tip. All right. Can, may yes. I ask a question about, about just a moment ago? I, I want to know about the old-fashioned mirrors that are very close to your face. Well, it has the... Um, ma uh, um, magnifying. Magnifying. Yes. Thank you. And then the regular, so I, I can go back that. and forth because I can't see. I understand. Sorry. I was, I, but no, it's, it's very not, old. It's old. I was, I was just confused. I was, I was trying to figure out if there were like old mirrors that don't reflect from far away that I was unaware of. <laughs> no, And no. I really I wanted to know what no, that no. was. No, no. Mindy is not a vampire as far as we know. <laughs> not <laughs> yet. Uh, All right. <laughs> finally, Mindy, you said you know a lot about the TV show Project Runway. Well, I don't know if I know a lot about it, but I love Project Runway. Uh, does anybody here like Project Runway? Anybody? Mm, oh. That's Absolutely. Because I love the art that they're doing something um, that is artistic and creative, and it isn't, I don't like reality television where people just, you know, have dinner and fight with each other. Agreed. Um, or drink and, and wear beautiful outfits, and oh, I'm, I feel horrible about myself. So, or uh, pick a bride out of a pile of brides. It's, like yes. That. You don't like the show Bride Pile? <laughs> <laughs> It's so creepy. Oh, to me. God, I binge watched that. It's yeah. just creepy about, you know, following people's lives right. that are so much better than yours. <laughs> and um, no, so this way, I, you get to see people create something, and there is a prize, and mm. there's something that they work really hard to make or do, and I love the art of that, and I love fashion. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about how to put on makeup, decorating your apartment, and Project Runway. Today, we want to quiz you about Project Runway. I knew it. I had considered breaking into your apartment and quizzing you about how you decorated, but I thought this might be more appropriate. That's the stupidest thing I ever came up with, decorating my apartment. Do you have a, do you have a favorite season or favorite designer from the run of the show? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> have you watched it from the beginning? I like them all, yes. From and, the very beginning. And, I, and now I've been watching All Stars. So then they bring Ooh. back people that won, right. and then you watch them with um, Alyssa Milano. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Project Runway to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Dylan, do listen closely, because if Mindy answers incorrectly, you can steal. Dylan, by the way, how much do you know about Project Runway? I watched it fairly regularly from early on. I, Why? I, <laughs> my wife hooked me Oh, all right. Right, all right. I was, and I was totally into it. I love okay. the idea that we are celebrating creativity as opposed to, you know, mindless stupidity. Yes, thank you. Are you talking about this show? <laughs> no, I, oh, okay. I appreciate sure. this He's show as well. He's talking about Bride Pile. A Bride Pile, of course. Uh, all right, Mindy, it sounds like you got your work cut out for you if you want to keep the uh, answers away from Dylan. Let's begin. Here's question number one about Project Runway. What German supermodel was one of the original judges of Project Runway and told losing designers off Wiedersehen? Oh, well, that's Heidi Klum. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. One point for Mindy. Uh, Heidi, as you mentioned, did leave after uh, the last season. Question number two. She also, I think, has left um, America's Got Talent. And Seal. <laughs> uh... Question number two. Well, I didn't tell her to do it. She left. Question number two. Mentor Tim Gunn has become a real star who's appeared in TV commercials for Dish Network and Command Brand Picture Hangers using what three-word catchphrase that he made famous on Project Runway? Oh, um, okay, it's um, uh, keep it up, or um, do good, or just pick one, uh, or um, see you later. <laughs> it's three words. I know! <laughs> Would you like it's to pick one of those or the correct answer? <laughs> I'm trying to help. I'm desperately trying to help you. Um, it's um, okay. Um, keep, keep going. Okay, so, keep I, going. Yes. Helen, is it okay? Keep going. It is not. No, I'm terribly sorry. Dylan with a chance to steal. I believe that would be make it work. Helen? Oh, that is that correct. Is correct. Right. It is make it work. And uh, I watch it all the time. I just want you to know this. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with this. Uh, question number this, three. You dress this professorially. You have to know something. <laughs> uh, question number three, Mindy. Tim Gunn frequently tells contestants to use the accessory wall thoughtfully. The accessory wall has been sponsored by nine different companies over the 17 seasons of the show. Name two of those companies. Right now it's JCPenney's. Uh, and uh, the other one is... Um, 
uh, Coles. So you're saying JCPenney and Coles. Helen, yes. is that correct? That is not correct. No, no I'm terribly not. sorry. Dealing with a chance to steal. I know JCPenney is correct because I, one time I wrote for the JCPenney television shopping channel, the smart answer for today's shopper, although <laughs> they went out of business, so they are now the smart answer for yesterday's shopper. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Target? Did Target do it once? Is that your I'm answer? I'm going to say Target. He says JCPenney and Target, Helen. That is not correct. No, not no. correct. JCPenney was correct. The others were Just Fab, Macy's, PiperLime.com, BlueFly.com, Aldo, Belk, Banana Republic, and Lord and & Taylor. I feel like half of these companies have gone under. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not the best business decision to uh, sponsor the accessory wall. Uh, Helen, would you like to give her a half point, though, for JCPenney? It's yes, up to you. She I would. Thank you, Helen. I would. That will go very well with her other half point from uh, earlier today. All right, let's see. Because I plan to win the car. <laughs> Wait, we're giving away a car? Oh. Um, we're giving away your car. <laughs> oh. oh, that's no prize. <laughs> Good luck with it. Question number four, Mindy. Uh, as a reminder, you do have two hints available if you'd like to use the hint. Question number four. What is the name of the dog frequently seen snoozing at the Mood Fabric Store? Oh, gosh. Darn it. I have no idea. Would you like to use one of your hints? No. Why not? I don't know, because I think there'll be something else that'll be better well, it's coming. Some, no, sh I should use it. Well, okay, you only have two hints, and you have two questions left. So oh, then I'll use one. surmise that using one of them now Okay, would then be I will use one. Helen said yes. Helen, how about that first hint? It's also the brand name of a popular Swiss wristwatch. Swatch. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Ah! That dog is my favorite member of the cast. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty cute. All right, question number five. This is tricky. Let's see how you do. Some of the designers could be models themselves. In fact, some were. Season nine winner Anya Anyong Chi competed in the Miss Universe pageant, representing what country? What's her name again? Anya Anyong Chi. Uh, you do have a hint available if you'd like to. Use a hint, please. Hints. Helen, how about Helen, that second a hint? hint? Okay. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll... All right. So sorry. No, go, you go, you go. Helen, can we give her a hint, please? <laughs> Audience, let's all ask Helen for the hint. <laughs> Why don't I give you a hint? It's one of the few countries in the world with an ampersand in its name. I don't have, I have no idea, do you It's know? something and something. Can you do, can you just, sounds like? No, can't no. do that one. No. Okay, no answer there. Dylan with a chance to steal. Would it be Turks and Caicos? Helen? It is not no, Turks No, it's the Caicos. other one. It's Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, Trinidad oh and my Tobago. gosh, those were hard. Some in our audience knew it. That was a number five. That, that is very was... difficult. Yet you still did rather well in that round, Mindy. Did I? Well, you're here. Yeah. Now, here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. This question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response, so the answer is worth up to three points. Right. Mindy, as we record tonight, the most recently completed season of Project Runway was season 16, which had some memorable firsts, including the first winner to come from a certain country in Asia. For up to three points, what was this winner's name? What country in Asia does he come from? And what fellow designer became his close friend or brother on the show? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's the first question? What was his name? Um, his name was uh, King Kak. King Ka, all right. All right. And uh, what Asian country did he come from? He came from uh, Fiji. From Fiji, all right. And uh, what fellow designer became his close friend or brother on the show? Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Jim uh, Burrell. Jim Burrell. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a fashion designer who won season 16 of Project Runway. It's Kentara Kamayama. Kentara Kamayama, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, he Hello, Kentara. So good. Oh, oh my oh, Kentara God. coming over and greeting Mindy. Kentara. A warm embrace. Oh, Please, Kentaro, have a seat there and pull up night right close to that he microphone. He was so good at my job. Yeah, he, he won. So he won. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> hello, Kentaro. Hello, hello. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm especially happy to have you here because you actually have a show tonight. Uh, yeah, I do. Tell us about this show and why are you here? <laughs> oh, Jim asked me to come. Yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim Newman is very persuasive. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, said, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to see Mindy. Yay. Oh I love you. 
<laughs> Excellent. I love, love you. you. There's a love fest out here, and Dylan, frankly, you're in the way. <laughs> I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm doing my best to be back here so these two can have a connection. Uh, Wait, Kintaro, you have a fashion show tonight? Yeah. You hmm. do? Mm -hmm. Tell us about the show, what you're showing, and where it is. And, and uh, It's uh, LA Fashion Week. Uh, <gasps> it's Maine and it's spring. Ooh, wow. It's right around here. Yeah. yeah. In downtown LA. Yeah. What do you have a whole collection, and you're going to present it? Uh, kind of, yeah. What, what, what mean, goes into getting ready for, for a fashion show during a fashion week like that? I have to make dresses, right? Yes. And it, yeah, that's about that's it. That's it, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Well, Do you uh, love everything that you've made for this? Huh? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Sometimes I have a lot of money from sponsors, but this time, no. So, like, you know. But oh. you still can, you can, you rags to riches, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Your work on the show was, was so beautiful. Has winning the show changed things for you? How, how has it changed things? I think so, but I didn't mean to win. Like, I kind of won, but I'm happy. You didn't mean to win? No. What did you mean to what do? What do you mean you didn't mean to yeah. win? Well, like, I just wanted to do good work. Yeah. Like, <gasps> really. Yeah. He was very quiet. Did anybody see? See him on this? Yeah. He, you were so, you were, yeah, you were so quiet, and everybody loved you on the show, oh, or at least you. that's how they showed it on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you didn't want to, you didn't go on to be, like, competitive or catty, no. or you just wanted to, like, do your work. I wanted to work. make a lot of good friends. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you made a very good friend with one of your fellow designers. Are, are you guys still friends? Oh, yeah. He's coming to my fashion show tonight. Oh, wow, which one? Oh. Brandon. Oh! Of course you know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, now you know. Now you know. You had been trained and performed as a pianist and a composer. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you got to use a piece that you composed in your final uh, presentation. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, had you always been doing both music and fashion, or did you segue from one to the other? I always do the both. You always do them both? Yeah. Uh -huh. Really? And it, you know, when I create anything like fashion show, things like that, I always like inspired by music. Not really inspired. I kind of use the theory and things like that to my fashion show. Oh, really? I often like I think of a sonata form. You know, like first theme, second theme, like those development, coda closures, so or like everything when I try to make a piece, a collection, mm -hmm. it really comes like very musically. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh -huh. Wow. So you're, you were a trained pianist, which, you know, I'm sure your era, Asian parents are very happy about. Yeah, that's one of those taika Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And then, but then... <laughs> yeah, really. How do your Asian parents feel about you doing fashion? Uh, well, they're happy. Now that but you like, won, right? <laughs> yeah, but like they really don't know what's going on, be honest. Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That's the same with me in comedy. All right. My parents are like... <laughs> uh, uh, what was the process like to, to get on the show? Had you applied before for previous seasons? Yeah, your... online. Online, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, how do you find out that you've been selected? What was that like? They call me. Okay. <laughs> they really do, yeah. So they all go on, they're on television, yeah. then you get a call, yeah. and yes. And I don't tell anyone of those. Oh, okay. So and how long did you know, how much time did you have where you knew you were on the show before you could tell anybody? I don't remember, like, a long... Okay. Because, you know, after that, I won. Oh, uh, right. Then I couldn't knew. tell. Wait, but you're, you live in Japan. Oh, no, I live oh, in you Hollywood. Live here. You live here. Oh, you're from there. So you didn't, so you didn't, um, so people did, weren't like, where did you disappear to for three months? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I mean, some people got very, like, emotional about it. Mm -hmm. And, it, oh, we are good friends. Why you, you didn't tell me? Right. Yeah. Like, you won a TV show and you won the show and, like, but you couldn't. It, I mean, it, it's like a million dollars fine. So yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, the big fine. But they felt like, oh, but I was your best friend. She yeah, told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, I, uh, this was happening. I'm sorry. And she didn't respond after that. <gasps> oh. You lost a friendship? Yeah. But like, you know, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you got your million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was going to say, if you need new friends, I would like to apply online yeah, 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 to be yeah. your new uh -huh. friend. Uh, so what was... Oh. Uh, I know a lot of times if there are people of Japanese descent who make a big accomplishment in the United States, that people in Japan follow it very closely. W was there a big following in Japan? Of, of well, uh, no, really. No, really? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, because uh, we don't pay for cable. So everybody, yeah. so everybody has like you know about ten channels like yeah. they can watch and about good they don't repeat. I so, see. Right. Wow. So then you know, like if you they want to watch my show they have to pay extra. Oh. Like extra cable. Right. Of, and like, they didn't want to do that. Yeah, a lot of people like I, I, yeah. So a lot of people wouldn't be able to watch it. Interesting. So in other words, you, you'll get more recognized in the United States than, yeah, than uh -huh. in Japan. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's very interesting. Mm. Uh, what did you learn from the show? Did it make you a better designer? 
Uh, well, like when I was a pianist, like I was going to like piano competition, so mm -hmm. like I kind of like know how good I am or mm. how bad I am. Right. So I always kind of make sure like you know where I am at as a pianist, but like design, like I don't know. So mm. like going to the competition was kind of like the moment that I can make sure how good I am or like how bad I am. So wow. that was good. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, now you can say, I'm the best, bitches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what Helen would do. Yeah. yeah. I'm the best. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, we're so happy to have you here. Let's get to the reason that we brought you as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Mindy. Uh, first, we wanted to know who was the winner of season 16 of Project One Way. Helen, what did Mindy say? Mindy said King Kong. And I love it. No. <laughs> Isn't that what you said? No, I said Kikars. Kikars. I don't know. I thought you said King Kong. No, I think she said no. King Ka. It, no. Maybe it came out that way, but I, yeah. not in my mind. No, it was your mind doing it was that. King Ka. King Ka. No. Did King Ka win Project Runway? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, King Ka was so oh, happy. King Ka did win. Oh, <laughs> we might have to give Mindy the point. I was under the impression it was Kentaro Kamayama. Uh -huh. uh, uh, and uh, next, we wanted to know what Asian country did that winning designer come from? Helen, what did Mindy say? Mindy said Fiji. Is that correct, Kentaro? Well, uh, almost. Almost. Yeah. Pretty close. But what is I the correct in, answer? I live in Japan, in but Japan. like a little town is called Fiji. So. Yeah. Oh. Oh, sorry, very close, but I don't Hello. know if we can give her the point for that. I'm sorry. And then finally wanted to know what, was, what fellow designer became his close friend or brother on the show. What did Mindy say? Mindy said Jim, Jim Burrell. And uh, is that correct, Kentaro? Well, Brenda's uh, middle name is Jim. Ah. Oh, it's pretty close. Hello. So Mindy close. isn't that stupid. Yeah, no, if only that had been the question. Uh, <laughs> what is the correct answer? Uh -huh. Who was your brother on the show? Jim? Uh -huh. No. <laughs> You're going to give it? No, on the show, uh, okay, though, your Brandon. friend was Brandon. Yeah. Yes, Brandon. it was Brandon. Brandon. I'm sorry, no point there. Okay. Uh, uh, Kentaro, if people want to find out to more about you or your work, they can leave after here and go to the fashion show. Mm -hmm. Or where can they find you on the internet and social media? Kentaro Kamiyama. There's your answer. We're certainly happy to have Mr. Kentaro Kamiyama. What an honor. Thank you, sir. Helen, let's get a score recap at the end of that round. At the end of that round, Mindy Sterling has three points, and Dylan Brody has two points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Dylan about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Mindy and Dylan will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round to find our winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm the JV Club Podcast, Janet Varney, and I used to suffer from indecision. I couldn't choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, whether to call or text, or the best way to cook my eggs. But now, thanks to my weekly dose of We Got This on Maximum Fun, my decisions are made for me. Thanks, Mark and Hal. Warning, We Got This may cause shouting, phone throwing, the illusion that the hosts can hear you, laughter on public transit, and death. We Got This with Mark and Hal. We know what's best. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Mindy Sterling with three points and Dylan Brody with two points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Dylan Brody, my friend, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Nikola Tesla, Korean martial arts, and the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era of X-Men. Let's find a little bit about each of those. First of all, you said you know a lot about Nikola Tesla. I do. I wrote a screenplay about Nikola Tesla, as a result of which I had to do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a, a fascinating guy. He was, he was the guy who gave us uh, alternating current, mm -hmm. uh, had to convince Edison that it was time to give up direct current and move mm -hmm. to alternate. That's why Edison went around the country with his little dog and pony show where he electrocute monkeys <gasps> to prove that uh, alternating current was too dangerous to use, thereby creating the electric chair. Science, everybody, science. Nikola Tesla, he, he, he designed the Niagara Falls uh, uh, generator. Is that right? Yeah. Really? He was, he was, yeah. yeah. He was a, and what about him appeals to you uh, personally? Um, he was pure science. Mm. He wasn't in it for profit. He, he only got like a third of the things he invented patented because he felt that, he felt, for instance, that electricity itself, like fire, should be free. That, mm. that to charge for electricity was like having to pay a, a, a royalty to, to Prometheus's family for living a match. <laughs> um, and he, he, you know, he's, little, he's a little-known figure, although he did more than Westinghouse and Edison combined. All wow. right. You also said you know a lot about Korean martial arts. When I quit smoking pot before I bought cufflinks, mm -hmm. um, I needed something new to fight depression. And I 
got heavily into martial arts for all the time since. Mm -hmm. I have a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo, which wow. made me a master, a uh, third degree black belt in Hapkido, which... And what is it about the Korean martial arts that appeals to you especially? I, you know what? It was the studio that I walked into where I felt at home and loved. Mm. Uh, my master, Jin Ki Lim, uh, runs JK Taekwondo in Burbank and Glendale. He has a bunch of franchises now. Uh, and he was such a kind and generous and supportive human that I never wanted to leave. Wonderful. Wow. I, my, my Korean Taekwondo master was so not kind that I only made it to yellow belt. Uh, well, if you would like <laughs> private training, I promise to be kind. Do you guys know what yellow belt is? The lowest? It's the lowest one. <laughs> and it's, yet. it's white and then yellow. You made it past white? Yeah. You're ahead of me. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Dylan, okay. you said you know a lot about the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era of X-Men. Hugely important to me. When and I was uh, in... from what I understand, those are comic books. Yes, that's okay. correct. Yes, that's, that's, that's for those who don't correct. know, tell us about what it is. Uh, during the late 70s, early 80s, at around the time that I was leaving home and going to prep school, I had read comic books you know, through my childhood, mm. and then suddenly it turned into literature for me. Mm. And there was a, a, a sense of uh, depth and import to what they were doing with the series. Uh, they took the, the series through two major sagas, you know, multi-issue multi storylines that uh, meant a great deal to me as mm. a kid. How old were you? Uh, 14 to 16 in there somewhere, 14 to 17, I think. Mm. All right, well, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about Nikola Tesla, Korean martial arts, and the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era of X-Men. Today we're going to quiz you about the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era of X-Men. Uh, so uh, uh, as far as that era goes, is there, is there a favorite uh, book or a favorite uh, storyline that you have? Uh, yeah, the Dark Phoenix saga was really kind of extraordinary. It spoke directly to me about my angst and my fears at the time. Have you read them since? Uh, on and <laughs> off. I, uh, I, uh, there was a point when I was dead broke in my late 20s where I, when I sold my collection. Aww. So... Uh, you know, I, I had a copy of 134, and it was it was very difficult for me to part with that issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I, I, I don't think I've read them since then, but I read them over and over again when I had them. And do they hold up, like, in adulthood? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a, uh, they, they were instrumental not only in my psyche, but they were a change in the whole Marvel universe in a lot of ways. I All right, think. well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert on that topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Mindy, do listen closely. Oh, gosh, you can yes. steal if Dylan gets any wrong. Mindy, by the way, how much do you know about the John Byrne, Cliss Claremont era of uh, X-Men? We'll see. All right, more... <laughs> <laughs> More of a later era X-Men fan, yeah, I Yeah, maybe. All right, here's question number one. The Byrne Claremont era of comics was printed and distributed by what publisher? Marvel. Helen? That is correct. That's a gimme. There's one point for I, you, Dylan. I'm sorry. I'll try to be more entertaining with my answers. Go ahead. That's all right. Okay. Question number two. Some things changed in the Byrne Claremont era, but some things didn't, like the sound that was made when X-Man Nightcrawler teleports. What is that onomatopoeic sound? It changed? No, it did not change. It stayed oh, the same. Oh, it did not change. It, uh, I know this. Also, the middle name of a dear friend's daughter, Bamf. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Bamf. Oh, Bamf. <laughs> your, 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 your friend middle named his daughter Bamf. Yes. In honor of that? I don't believe so, no. I'm a little disappointed now. Nora Bamf Aurora Stewart. You want to talk more about comic books now? Instead? No, I, I want to talk more about okay, Nora. Okay, great. So how is Nora doing? Nora's doing great. In fact, you know what? She's the daughter of somebody that I knew during this very period in my Question life. Question number three. Go ahead. It was called, it was called the Burn Claremont era, but who was the inker for every one of these comics? Dylan taking his glasses off, resting his head in his palm. I need a hint. I need a hint Mindy on this. Mindy making clucking noises. I definitely need a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? His last name is the capital city of a U.S. state. Okay, I have no idea. I, 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 I knew, I, just there was a, a time when I would have known this. Just pick a capital. It, it was uh, 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 Ken Albany. <laughs> Alan, was it Ken Albany? No. No, Mindy with a chance to steal. Uh, uh, the state? Just Cap the, capital uh, city of a U.S. state. Yeah, name a capital city that might be the last name of this inker. And if you get this, I think this place is going to erupt. In a happiness. T 
Tallahassee. Helen, is it Tallahassee? No. No, no. The answer we were looking for was Terry Austin. Austin. Terry Austin of Austin, Texas. No point there. Let's see if you can bounce back with number four. The Burton Claremont era lasted 35 issues from December 1977 to March 1981. Give us the issue number of either the first or last issue of that era. I think it would have started around 127 and ended around 143. Is that close? Well, we're asking, again, well, okay. I can't tell you until you give me an answer. I'm going to say uh, uh, 127. 127, Helen. That is not correct. Not correct. Mindy with a chance to steal. 128. Ooh, playing Price is Right style. I like it. Helen, is that correct? Nah. No, I'm sorry. 143 was a correct answer for when it ended. You didn't go with that one. Little oven range uh, syndrome yeah. happening again. Uh, 108 is when it started. Issue number 108. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. X-Men comics of this era didn't just have great stories and art, they had some memorable ads as well. What football player appeared in some of these issues' ads for spot-built shoes and dingo boots? I'm going to guess just based on period Joe Namath. Helen, is it Joe Namath? No, it's not Very Joe reasonable Namath. guess, but I'm terribly sorry, not correct. Mindy with a chance to steal. Nipsey Russell. <laughs> Helen, what is it that, was it that great football player, Nipsey Russell? <laughs> No. No. He was best, best known for writing rhyming poems while he ran the field. Yeah. I got the ball and I'm going to run it all. <laughs> I don't know if that was offensive or inspired, but That's I'll take excellent both. depression, sir. No, no. Uh, it actually was someone who became famous for something other than football much later, a fellow named O.J. Simpson. Oh. O.J. Simpson was in many ads in the X-Men comics. That guy. So glad we brought that up. All right, Dylan, you struggled a little bit toward the end, but you can bounce back with this. Here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The correct answer is worth up to three points. Dylan, the uncanny X-Men number 123 opens with Spider-Man lamenting how broke he is because he just paid his taxes. He then runs into one of the X-Men with a romantic interest in Greenwich Village for up to three points. Who are those two lovebirds and what well-known writer is seen in the background during this encounter? I imagine it would be Colossus and Kitty. All right. Oh, no, it, it, it would have to be, uh, no, it would be Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Okay, Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Yes. Um, I'm going to say uh, uh, John Michener. John Michener. All right, so to summarize, your answers are, it was Scott Summers, it was Jean Grey, and Michener? Michener. And Michener, all right. No compliment on my summarizing there? Hemingway. Hemingway. I'm going to say Hemingway. You're changing your answer. I'm changing my answer to Hemingway. Because okay. he's the only person I can imagine being, being recognizable in a comic book panel. All right. Are those your, your answers locked in now? You're no, Stephen King. I'm going to oh. go with Stephen King. I'm going to go with John Gray, uh, uh, Scott Summers, Jean Grey, and that would be Cyclops and uh, uh, Marvel Girl later to become Phoenix, and uh, uh, Stephen King. Okay. I think there's a period at the end of that sentence. I'm going to go with it. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight, via phone from Chicago, is a New York Times best-selling author, Eisner Award-winning comics industry hall of famer, and co-writer of the best-selling comic book issue of all time, it's Chris Claremont! Chris Claremont! <laughs> Hello, Chris Claremont, are you there? I sure hope so. Now, Chris Claremont, I believe I've heard of you in the name of this topic that we're discussing this evening. I'm sorry, what topic? <laughs> Chris Claremont, this is Dylan Brody, and before we go any further with this show, thank you so much for existing. <laughs> well, so far, so good. <laughs> I, would, I would say so. Uh, tell us what you're doing in Chicago at the moment. Trying to recover from three days of conventioning at C2E2. That's right, that's the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. Well, what do you do there when you're conventioning? Well, usually walk around and see friends and enjoy the, the weekend. Uh, this was rather surprisingly different. I spent three days sitting in a chair greeting an endless column of readers and fans. 
How lovely. Uh, was, oh, no, it was wonderful. It was sort of like a contest between me and George Perez across the aisle <laughs> to see whose line was longer and never-ending. Who, who won that contest? Oh, George, obviously. Oh, all right. George, well, there you go. much cooler than I am. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm taking a risk saying what I'm about to say because I may get booed, but I have never read an X-Men comic. But I have heard of characters like Legion, the New Mutants, Rogue, Gambit, Sabretooth, Kitty Pride, the White Queen, all of which you created. And as of four days ago, they are now property once more of Marvel uh, Entertainment. Oh, and that's fantastic. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes. So, um, yeah, we just made the, we just made the uh, Murdochs very, very rich. <laughs> well, how, how, does, how does that affect you, and how do you, how do you see these characters being uh, integrated going forward? Well, there's, there's this big event happening in the Marvel uni- film universe this year, and it would pr- kind of help everybody if at the end of it, when Thanos went back to wherever he goes, suddenly there were a whole bunch of new heroes for the Marvel <laughs> Universe to play with. Well, and since the Fantastic Four are the flagship characters of Marvel and of Marvel Comics, and the X-Men kind of took that role a decade later, I think that it's only fitting that they should be back where they belong. I, I very much uh, want to live in your brain. <laughs> uh, well, let's go back a little bit about how you first got involved. How, how did you get the gig uh, writing the X-Men? I wrestled Len Wein to the floor and said, give me it. <laughs> now, I do know who Len Wein was. Len, let, for those who don't, tell us about who Len Wein was at the time, and then we'll talk about how Len uh, has, has a lot of connection with this show. Well, Len Wein was the first writer of, of the revived X-Men, as, but unfortunately, he had a day job, which was editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. And I was his associate editor, so I lived, basically, my desk was right outside his office, and he, unlike Stan, he for, he would often not close his door. So I'm sitting there listening to Len and Dave Cockrum plot Giant Size X-Men number one, and every few hour, minutes, Len would look up, and I'd be inside the office taking notes. <laughs> and... Where I got involved was in the first issue that Dave and Len were doing, they had to get rid of this living island in the South Pacific because that's where all living islands live, in the South Pacific. Uh, and I just sat there and said, well, yeah, well, you know, it's a fiery neighborhood. And uh, it was a volcano. And I said, well, you know, it's a rock that sticks its head up out of the ocean. Yes. So why don't you just cut the rock and let let it float away into space. And they, Len looks at me as if I'm an idiot, but I, you know, I said, look, you've got 14 X-Men, including Polaris and you know, a bunch of other characters. They could use their powers and just punch it out of the atmosphere, and then the Earth orbiting the sun will just leave it behind in a matter of minutes. You know, Dave looked at Len, Len looked at Dave, and they both said, well, works for me. Wow. And that was how they got rid of Krakoa. <laughs> so, yeah, what happened soon after was that Len decided to leave his position as editor-in-chief, probably because somebody kept kicking in the door and saying, I have a better idea. And unfortunately, his severance package as writer of the top four monthly titles we published then didn't leave him time enough to do the bi-monthly X then. Ah. And so he said, you know, he was going to offer it to whoever was outside his door, and I didn't even give him the chance. I just said, I want the book. Heck. He, he caved and let me do it, and I've been incredibly grateful, and he's been incredibly pissed ever since. <laughs> the thing with Len is he created some of the primal franchises of comic book history, both for DC and for Marvel, and it, it's something that should never be forgotten. We should be standing up and saying, there's Len, the 1970s equivalent of Stan, because both DC and Marvel have benefited from his, his creativity, his brilliance, his inspiration, and dang it, he deserves it. Absolutely. I think we can all agree with that. Um, I should say, you know, I don't know a lot about comic books, but I, I definitely have a connection with Len. He was, he was actually a, a very good pal, and uh, the show is a connection with Len. When we first did a pilot episode of this show, Len was one of our guests. Uh, it was just a few months before he, he passed away, and uh, that's available to, to listeners on our, the Maximum Fund listener panel, uh, or listener feed, I'm not sure what it's called exactly. Um, but, but Len was, was, was a great pal, and um, I'm happy to say that Len's widow, Christine, is our show's photographer. She's here with us tonight. <laughs> 
and, uh, and helped arrange us to, to be able to talk with you tonight. Uh, and so I, I know it means a lot to, to Christine, it means a lot to me to, to be able to hear you speak uh, so kindly about Lynn and the fact that a lot of people, including myself, can speak so glowingly about him with no connection whatsoever to his work, you know, just, just as a person. Well, it's not kindness, it's the truth. Mm. With Lynn, it's easy. Yeah. Helen mentioned in your introduction that you are the co-writer of the best-selling comic book issue of all time. That was, uh, was that issue number one of the new X-Men? X-Men 1, yeah. X-Men, oh, the, the X-Men second one. iteration. Uh, that's amazing. That sold, if, if I've read this correctly, over seven and a half million issues. Uh, it's incredible. How, how did you find out that this was taking off and, and was setting this record? Well, technically, it's 7.9 copies of an 8.2 print run. But who's counting? I'm certainly, I'm certainly not. <laughs> That's a, wait, so they, they, knew, uh, they anticipated needing 8.2 million copies of that issue? Chris Claremont no, no, no. was writing X-Men. They knew they needed copies. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, well, no, what happened was we were starting this new series. I was writing it. Jim Lee was drawing it. And in those days, what you did was send out the solicitation sheet to comic book retailers across the country, of which there were a great many in those days, and everybody ordered. They ordered what they thought they would sell. And apparently they thought they would sell a lot. And to everyone's surprise, they did. <laughs> and no one su- was more surprised than us because it was like, wow, we were happy in the days when we, we sold a half million copies of this issue. Cool. Yeah. And then suddenly the numbers just went through the roof and we were like, wow, this is really cool. Absolutely. Uh, Dylan, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to Chris Claremont besides thanking him for existing? Uh, yeah, Didn't no, cover? The, the stuff that went on during the, the Dark Phoenix saga uh, allowed me to feel as though there was a, a place for my imagination and my inner life in the world at a time when I desperately needed that connection. And it was so important to me uh, that I, I, I am genuinely moved to be having you on the phone with me. So thank you for agreeing to do this. I shouldn't laugh. Oh, you're more than welcome. I'm, I'm awestruck to be asked. It's like, I just write comic books. What's going on here? <laughs> as long as everybody in the conversation feels awkward and awestruck, I think we're doing fine. All right. Well, let's get to the reason why we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Dylan. We wanted to know in X-Men number 123, who were the two lovebirds that Spider-Man encountered in Greenwich Village? Helen, what was the name of the X-Men that Dylan gave as an answer? Dylan said Scott Summers. And uh, Mr. Claremont? That's right. That's correct. That's one point for Dylan. Yes. Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, uh, was that uh, X-Men. Next, we wanted to know who was the romantic interest uh, that was with Scott Summers. Helen, what did Dylan say? Dylan said Jean Grey. And Chris Claremont? Oh, gee, not quite. No. It was actually Colleen Wing. Oh, sure. No, yes, that makes sense now, but now it's it's too late. Uh, And then finally, we wanted to know Uh, who was the well-known writer who was seen in the background. Helen, what did Dylan eventually say? Dylan eventually said Stephen King. And Chris Claremont? Well, Stephen King did sell a novel to a publisher that got them to reject my novel submitted at the same time (laughs) with with a similar content. So naturally, you wanted to put him in the comic. Yeah. No, who was it in the uh, background? Oh, it was me taking notes. It was him. It was Chris Claremont. How about that? Yeah. Uh, d- well, how do you... This, what do you think? This is all fiction? <laughs> <laughs> we go around taking notes. Haven't you ever read Stan's issues? Stan and Jack would follow the, X, the FF around and take notes and draw pictures, and that's how I would do it with the X-Men. Comics are fun, aren't they? I, uh, all right, Chris, I could talk with you all night, and I'm sure Dylan could as well, but we do have to move on. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? Uh, basically, ChrisClaremont.com because I still haven't figured out the internet. That you figured out plenty, believe me. We're certainly happy to have you, Mr. Chris Claremont, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Chris. We're going to say goodbye. Have a great evening, and thank you again for joining us. Helen, let's get a score recap as we head into the final round. At the end of that round, Mindy Sterling has three points, and Dylan Brody has five points. Woo! All right, it is now time for our final round. We call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Mindy and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Mindy, basketball was named after a guy named Basket. False. Correct. Dylan, the original basket in basketball was a picnic basket. 
False. Correct. Mindy, the original basket in basketball was an Easter basket. False. Correct. Dylan, the original basket in basketball was a peach basket. True. Correct. Mindy, the original ball in basketball was a peach. False. Correct. Dylan, the original ball in basketball was a tennis ball. False. Correct. Mindy, the original ball in basketball was a soccer ball. False. Incorrect. No, but the first incorrect response True. of the game. No, no, you do not get, you only get one guess, I'm oh, sorry. All right, whatever. Uh, where were we? Okay, here. Dylan, there is a basketball court in the top of the Matterhorn in Switzerland. False. Correct. Mindy, there is a basketball court in the top of the Matterhorn at Disneyland. True. Correct. Dylan, there is a basketball court in the top of the U.S. Supreme Court. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. It's on the top floor. They call it the highest court in the land. Uh, and finally, Mindy, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is known for being aggressive in the paint and dunking on her fellow players. True. That was just for fun. No, no. With a no count. But let's give a nice hand to both of our contestants, Dylan Brody and Mindy Sterling, as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to reveal the winner of today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Mindy Sterling has seven points, and Dylan Brody has nine points. Congratulations, Yay! Dylan Brody. You are the facting champion, but Yay! a very respectable showing by Mindy Sterling. Yay! Dylan, what will you do with your championship? Uh, I intend to use it to help people uh, overcome hunger and sadness. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. All right, that just leads me to give the opportunity for everyone here to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Mindy, where can people find you? Uh, well, let's see. Instagram, I'm Mindy Stir. And Twitter, I'm Ms. Mindy Sterling. And uh, I, that's all. That's all, but that is plenty. <laughs> We're happy to have Ms. Mindy Sterling. Dylan Brody, what about you, my friend? Uh, you can find all about me and where I'm performing and stuff at dylanbrody.com. And if you're interested in writing the thing you've been talking about writing and thinking about writing and pretty much not writing, you can go to activevoiceproductions.com, all one word, activevoiceproductions.com. That is run by Mr. Dylan Brody. Nice hey! to see you again, sir. You lucky, lucky people have your co-host as Ms. Helen Hong. Yay! What do you have going on, my friend? You can find my performance calendar at HelenHong.com and follow me on the socials at FunnyHelenHong. And hopefully see you on ABC this fall. <gasps> Yay! Yay! Uh, and me, you can find me on social media, Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. Also, please check out our new website, as of this recording, at gofactorypod.com. That just leads me to thank Mindy Sterling, Dylan Brody, Kentaro Kamiyama, Chris Claremont, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at gofactorypod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Yay! Thank you, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank well, you. Thank you. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Nerfed Birds did. He, she, or they said, excellent comedy trivia show. I now have more info to annoy my family with. Congratulations and thank you, Nerfed Birds. Ellen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Dave McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks Thanks to Christian Malmeen, Oliver Randall, G. Paul Bailey, Kurt Carley, Beth Fleischer, Ben Claremont, Bob Skier, Cody Lawrence, Clint Tauscher, C.J. Miller, Mike Avianos, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Villada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go to a fashion show! Hey, it's Jay Keith again. Here's a little bit of what you're going to hear on the next episode of Go Fact Yourself. He is a comedian and writer who co-hosts the podcast Movie Night and whose stand-up special Take Note is streaming on Stars now. It's Dwayne Perkins! Dwayne Perkins! When you watch those, uh, those home shows and people yeah. are searching for a home, and, and especially if they're somewhere else in the country, Midwest, <laughs> down south, and like they're so picky and you're like, you can't believe their prices because, like, their mortgage is my cell phone payment. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's all here on Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday here at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.